Welcome to the Mom's Day Bunker with Carrie Henson. In the bunker, you will find joy, grief, laughter, and remembrance. It is a safe place for moms to gather during the storms of motherhood, to share stories and to encourage each other as we navigate doomsday moments that change the trajectory of our path as women. Our stories contain difficult subjects that may be triggering for some listeners. These are real stories from real moms that are surviving, have survived, and are thriving after the unthinkable happened. Please take care of your mama heart as we cozy up together, take shelter from the world, and begin. Hey, y'all. I'm so glad you're back. I want to tell you uh, a story today. We're going to start off with story time. I said I, I am a bit of a storyteller in the first episode, and this one is a great one. My favorite, favorite city in the United States outside of Texas is New Orleans. New Orleans is so cool. It's jazzy. The food is amazing. The people are great. The history is just thick and rich. And it is, it is just one of those cities that you can go to and discover something new every time. I love New Orleans. I've been there multiple times. It's just a six-hour drive for me from where I'm at in Texas. And so we go often. It's a great, it's just a great place to be. It's a great place to visit. So I've been there several times, but I'm going to tell you about the second time I was ever in New Orleans. It was December 30th. Okay, so we all went, a big group of us went there in our early, I was 21, 22, early 20, somewhere around there. And um, we went to New Orleans for the New Year's Eve celebrations on Bourbon Street, as young 20-somethings do. And on December 30th, our large group decided to walk to this fancy pants restaurant there in the French Quarter. It came highly recommended. And, um, and it was a bit of a cluster to get into this place because a lot of things were happening in that city. Of course, it, it was very packed getting ready for New Year's Eve. And um, the Sugar Bowl was going. So a lot of people were in town for the Sugar Bowl. And there was a long wait. We were all just starving by the time we got to our table. And it was, it was at least a dozen of us. Um, so it was a large table. And someone had ordered a bunch of appetizers. I think we all kind of ordered a bunch of appetizers and were sharing them. And one of the appetizers that someone bought was uh, crab legs, these tiny little crab legs. Now, I grew up, y'all, in West Texas on a cattle ranch. So <laughs> seafood was not something I grew up on other than playing with the crawdads in our creek. Like that was the closest I ever got to, to seafood. I mean, it was, a, it was beef. It was beef, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I, you know, my culinary experiences were limited by this point in my uh, life's journey. So I was being egged on to try these crab legs. And I remember in my gut going, I don't want to try that. Like that doesn't look good. Something just didn't. I don't know. It just didn't set well with me, but I caved into peer pressure and I took a crab leg. I dipped it in the butter. I put it in between my teeth and I took the meat off like everyone was showing me to do and I ate it. And I thought, eh, eh, hamburger's better, whatever. And then I started having an asthma attack, which was really weird. I have had asthma since I was two years old. So I kind of know when and what is going to set the asthma off. And I thought, well, it's a new city. There are new allergens. Used my inhaler, but the asthma just wouldn't let up. So my then fiance and I 
decided to go back to the hotel because I was really just having a hard time uh, breathing. And I thought, well, maybe if I go get in a, like a hot shower or something, it'll help open my lungs. So we walk back to the hotel. And by the time we get to the lobby, y'all, I cannot breathe. I'm really struggling. I look at my fiance and I say, listen, I need you to take me to the hospital. Go ask where the nearest hospital is. I can't breathe. So he does. And at, right at that time, the sugar bowl let out. The sugar bowl was over and there were just thousands of people walking by our hotel, thousands and thousands of people. And the the hotel receptionist said, yeah, yo, you're not going to get to the hospital. I'm going to call you an ambulance. And I protested. I don't want to pay for an ambulance. I didn't have insurance. I was like, no, 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 no. And she's like, yeah, we're calling you an ambulance. Well, it just so happened that there was an ambulance parked one block from the hotel because the Sugar Bowl was releasing, because it was December 30th, and there were a ton of people there in, uh, in New Orleans, and we were in the French Quarter. We were in the heart of the city. The ambulance was right there. And I mean, within 60 seconds, I, I see these EMT guys coming in, and probably within three minutes, I was in the back of the ambulance, and they were giving me all kinds of things. They were starting IVs. They put me on a breathing treatment. Then that wasn't working. They were trying to intubate me. I was fighting them. I was like, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. And they were looking at me like, lady, you crazy. You are not, you're literally dying in front of us. Like you can't, <laughs> you're not fine. Okay, you're not, you're not fine at all. Somehow, somehow we get to the county hospital, which was a trip in of itself. If you've ever been to a county hospital in a large metropolitan city and uh, we roll into the room and there are like 15 doctors there ready to save my life, ready to shock my heart back into rhythm, ready to get me breathing again. And I don't, I don't know how it happened or why it happened, but somehow by the, by God's good grace, I survived. And what we discovered was that I am severely allergic to shellfish. And I was having what they call an anaphylactic shock. Now, I, that whole process was probably about 25 to 35 minutes from the time I ate the shellfish to the time I was in, in the hospital. And um, the doctors have warned me. They said, listen, once you have a reaction like this the first time, any subsequent reaction is going to be more severe because now your body is is seeing it for what it is and it's going to attack. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I'm like, can I can I still take my tequila shots tonight? Like, you know, I'm still in this 21, 22 year old mentality of let's go party, you know. And they're like, no, ma'am, you're going to be the DD for the rest of the weekend because they had me on so much uh, steroids and oh my gosh, antihistamines and everything else. So. It was just such a wild, crazy ride. And if one little thing had been different, I would not be talking to you today. If one little thing had been different, right? If I had ignored my body telling me something was wrong, if my fiance hadn't listened to me, if he had said, no, no, you're fine, just use your inhaler, if um, the ambulance hadn't have been right there, if the receptionist hadn't have looked at me and seen that the sugar bowl just released and said, absolutely not, you got to call 911. There are so many things that saved my life. The, the, there happened to be a couple of police officers that 
that kind of cleared the crowd so the ambulance could get through. I mean, there were there's a lot of little details of the story that that I'm leaving out, of course. But I look back on that time and I just think, wow, wow, someone was looking after me. Someone was really looking after me that day. And this is one of three times that I have almost died before I became a mom. Before I became a mother, I have almost died three times. I've looked at death and I have waved death by. All through the grace of God, all through the grace of God. Is that, you know, fate, maybe karma? I don't know. But for me, it's through the grace of God. And and it blows my mind now that I've lived through so many Mom's Day moments at how I was being attacked even before I became a mother. And, and we'll talk more about that later because, man, I've got, I got theories, y'all. I got tinfoil hat theories. I've got realistic theories. I've got spiritual theories about that, earthly theories about that. But it, it's wild to think in that moment if one thing had been different, if I had been two minutes later than I had, things would be very different. Things would be very different for my family, for my, for, for my own mom, for my friends. It just would have been a very different weekend. And because of that, I got an EpiPen. And that brings me to another medication that I now carry in my possession. And it's a medication that I want you to consider purchasing and carrying on your position, possession because it can save someone's life. And that's Narcan. Narcan is a nasal spray. You can get it over the counter. You can get it at Walgreens, Walmart, CVS, HEB, Rite Aid. It's about 45 bucks. And it's so compact. You can put it in your purse. You can put it in your um, diaper bag. You can put it in your console. You can, you can stash it anywhere and everywhere. And what Narcan does is it helps someone who is in the midst of an opioid overdose. You may have heard of fentanyl. Fentanyl has been in the news a lot. It's been on the lips of a lot of politicians. It's been on the lips of a lot of, um, you know, celebrities, podcasters. Dr. Phil talks about it a lot. It is a epidemic in this country. It is stealing our friends and our families. And you're going to meet a mom in our next episode who had a firsthand experience with a fentanyl overdose. And I had never heard of Narcan before I met this uh, lady. Her name is Amy. She is beautiful. She's vivacious. She's uh, from the Midwest. She's from Ohio. She is um, uh, no no drama kind of gal. She is a hard worker. You can tell she's incredibly intelligent. And she had a Mom's Day moment with fentanyl. I want to give you a few um, facts about fentanyl. Fentanyl over dose, okay, which is an opioid. It, it, it's a synthetic opioid, okay? It is odorless. It is colorless. It is tasteless. 
and the leading cause of death in 2021 for ages 18 to 45. This year in 2023, 112,000 people have died from a fentanyl overdose. Y'all, that is like a little over 9,000 people a month, most of which are college-age students. You can get this on the CDC website. It is insane. It is insane. These kids, and I'm going to focus on the college-age kids, okay, but I mean, it, it is attacking everybody, any age. It doesn't discriminate. But a lot of what's happening is these college-age kids are getting online or they're meeting people on campus and they're buying what they think is like an Adderall, something to keep them up for finals, something to keep them awake. Or they're buying what they think is a pain medication or an anxiety medication. And what it really is, is fentanyl. You take one and you're done. It takes one pill and you're done. One and done. I want you to, th- I want you to say that in your head, one and done. Because that is a slogan that is on almost every fentanyl website I have researched for this episode. You take one and you're done. And these are not people that are suicidal. These are not people that want to stop living. These are not young men and young women who do not have a zest for life. These are not people that do not have relationships and loved ones. These are, these are young men and women who have ambitions and dreams and desires, and they just made a really stupid decision. They made a bad choice. They took one pill, and that was it. And it is an epidemic. It is an epidemic. Amy talks to us about her experience with this. And she introduced me to Narcan. And um, I had never heard of it before. And then a a memory, I got triggered with a memory. I I don't know if y'all know who Matt Reif is. Matt Reif is a comedian. He's a a funny guy. He's a good-looking mama's boy face. He's got these big lips. And he, um, he has like a bit, like a comedy bit. But then he interacts with the audience a lot. And he has this great rapport with his audience. I just love watching his, his videos. I've never seen him in person. But there's this one time he stops his show completely because someone at his show is in the midst of an overdose. Like they're, they're having an overdose. They're, they're, people are yelling, call 911, call 911. He stops the show. He quiets everyone down. He says, who has Narcan? Someone in here, does anyone have Narcan? And there was one person. There was one person, and I'm going to start tearing up because I've talked to several moms who've gone through this. But there was one person in that venue that had Narcan, and they quickly got it to the person who was in crisis, to their family or friends, whoever was with them, and they administered the Narcan. The ambulance got there, and Matt Reif handled it with grace and humility And I have no idea if that person survived or not, but I like to think that they did. I like to think that it worked because it does. Narcan does work. And you never know. You might be at a comedy show. You might be at a bar. You might be at a restaurant. You might be at your kid's basketball game and someone takes what they think is a Percocet 
what they think is a hydrocortone, what they think is a Valium, and it's not. It's fentanyl. And you can save their life. You can save their life. Amy has a foundation called liveforlucy.org. It's liveforlucy, L-I-V-E, the number four, L-U-C-Y dot org, live for Lucy. And I'm going to put it on my website. And, um, and it is just chock full of information, okay? It has this one section that says help for you. And there's one that says like help to you or help for you. And, um, and it's just lists of resources, lists and lists and lists of resources. And their number one job is to get information out there and to buy as much Narcan as they can for their community. And they go around and they drop Narcan off at the bars. They drop them off at the restaurants. They give them to the fire stations, the police stations. They want it in people's hands because you're going to save someone's life. I had no idea. I had no idea fentanyl was 50 times stronger than heroin. I had no idea that it is 100 times stronger than morphine. And it's killing hundreds, thousands of people. Well, a little over 9,000 a month. And it's coming over the border. The cartel knows how to make it. It's, I mean, it's there. There's so, there's so much of it. Like, I'm sure you're asking, well, where does it come from? How is it here? Or why do we have it? Maybe you already know all the information. You know, I, I'm, I learn with every mom that I talk to a little bit more about what our world is right now. And, um, and it is a huge problem. It is a huge problem. So one of those preps that I talk about, you know, if, when we're preparing for these Mom's Day moments and we're going to be a Mom's Day prepper is awareness. Awareness is key. The hard part about awareness is, well, what do we need to be aware of? And if we choose, you know, one subject that we need to be aware of, then how do we know where to get the information that's accurate, that is, um, you know, truthful? <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not some crazed website. How do, we, how do we get the awareness? Well, this is what I'm here for. I'm, I'm providing the awareness for you. You do not want to be a mom who walks in on her child dead because they took what they thought was one thing and it ended up being this opioid that killed them. You do not want that. You do not want to be with your girlfriends on a mom's night out at a restaurant and see someone overdose and you've heard this episode and you remember, oh, Narcan, and then you, but you don't have any. You don't want to put yourself in that position. Trust me, you don't. You're going to lose a lot of sleep. You're going to lose a lot of sleep. If you know the information and you're aware and you don't prepare, that, that's what's going to keep you up at night. So th- this is a source. This is a source. I mean, I'm going to do the best that I can and find comb the information as much as I can. Everything I've said here today, I got off of the liveforlucy.org website or the CDC. 
I go, I usually go straight to the source. And all the resources on the Live for Lucy site are pretty legit. I went through all of them. They're, they're moms that are really working hard. They're working hard. Everyone in that organization is working hard. Because they couldn't save their child, they're damn sure going to work hard to save someone else's child. It is the most powerful episode. It is um, funny. It is difficult. It is beautiful. And it's infuriating. I mean, there's a lot of frustration coming along with it. But I'm very excited for you to listen to it. I'm so excited. I get to honor Amy and I get to honor her daughter, Lucy. And, um, and I get their story out. It, it's truly, this is a ministry, y'all. I mean, it is a ministry to me. So I'm going to leave you with this. It's a, it's a, it's a verse. I'm going to do a Bible verse today. It's Isaiah 61.3. And you're going to hear this come up a lot because it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like, uh, I don't know what you would call it. A, a mantra, a motto. A, I don't know. Just something that just keep, it just keeps coming up. It just, it really in almost every episode, I'm like, oh, there it is. There it is. And, and we say this a lot. I'll say there are, there's beauty in the ashes. There's an origin story to that. But I'll leave you with the verse. Isaiah 61.3. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Until next time, bunkmates, stay safe. <laughs>